It's now time for Race Chat Live with Chris Creighton and Craig Moore. All right, Racer. Give him some feedback here. There we go. Okay, can you hear me now? Yeah. All right. Race fans, thank you for being here tonight. Race Chat Live on this Monday night. The South did survive. I told y'all last week it was going to be crazy. Did I see this on the news? No, I didn't see it. I don't watch the news. It's too depressing. Uh, but yet, never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> well, we are yeah, glad I mean, you made it through safe and sound. Yeah, I mean, you know, you killed my opening, man. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't you don't listen to the news, but you're part of the news. Are we are we news? Or do we even call? Are we newsworthy? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I think we're trending on, I think we're trending on Twitter. On Twitter? Yeah, it's not Twitter, though. It's something different. Is it the Walmart brand of, like, is it, like, the Walmart brand of the name brand? No, it's Dollar Tree version. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we got to. Uh, I, I got to ask you. I'm not worthy of this win. Oh my goodness! I'm in the same category as Dale Earnhardt. That kid needed a binky and a diaper change. Yeah. Yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Uh, uh. I'm listening to Ty Gibbs. I'm listening to Ty Gibbs post-race interview. He sounded about like a three-year-old or a twelve-year-old going through puberty, crying. If Dale Earnhardt was alive, he would. Oh, he probably would have reached through the TV and smacked the snot out of him. I will well, say that. Not gonna lie, Ty Gibbs. He seems to be a promising talent. Well, but, sure, when he got daddy's, when he got granddaddy's money. But come, but come on. I hate it when people say he's on the same level as Dale Earnhardt. He's on the same record. Stop that. No one in any freaking generation is going to be like Dale Earnhardt. There's not going to be another Dale Earnhardt. Now, there could be somebody who has a similar personality or a similar driving style to him. Personality is definitely not Ty There's not going to be another freaking Dale Earnhardt. Stop it. Well, I... I think what they were saying, I think what he was trying to say was that because Dale got his first win in his first race, and so did he. So he was tied with – he was in the same league as far as that was concerned. I agree with you. There will never be another Dale Earnhardt, uh, just like there was another – there was never another Richard Petty. Um, I would say Bill Elliott, but uh, his son has proven – that to be wrong, uh, or at least he has started to prove that that is wrong. Speaking of which, Chase had a really 
good day, and then it went to really bad with a really bad pit stop. We'll talk about that after our guest joins us at about 8.35. But what did you guys think of the entire – what? Oh, uh, Taz, update us on the points. I mean, I'm not – but somebody late to the game is leading points. How is that even possible? I don't know. I think so, I think Miss I think Miss Lee has paid off Taz. Yeah. Um, and sent him <laughs> uh, and sent him so, braids for his beard. Like she got full <laughs> points or something. I, I, I don't know. So, so to break things down, not only for you guys, for any of our listeners who may not know what we're talking what we're talking about. So, one of the first episodes of. This year, I want to say it's the first or second one. Craig mentioned of a little friendly competition betting deal between uh, myself, Craig, and Chris about our race winning picks and whoever was basically kings of supreme of picking the great, uh, picking the drivers the best at the end of the season. Um, We'll get a nice $50 gift certificate, but we have to make sure that this $50 gift certificate is usable. So we kind of, so Jason, so Mr. CJ sports and uh, Miss Lee kind of threw in, wanted to have some fun of their own and threw in their picks with ours. So we kind of did, um, we did some, so, so we kind of did. So are they in this bed as well? We can put them in if they want in. I think well, it's a twenty five dollar sure buy. Would want, I'm pretty sure Miss Lee would want to, seeing how she's leading the points in at least one of the categories. <laughs> twenty five dollar so, buy in. So, what we got to do? So, how I did this is basically if we take our, we make our picks, and at the end of for all, mainly is more pertaining on the cup side. But I kind of use the other two series as a testing dummies. Why so, you gotta talk about me like that? <laughs> Who's I was talking about you? <laughs> oh, we should probably talk about Chris like that either. It's not nice. <laughs> so, what I did was um, come up with a small little creative point system. At the end of each stage, the top three. Um, of our driver picks, regardless of where they actually finish, that cross the line. Um, three for first, two for second, one for third. And then at um, race end, uh, first gets 20 points, second gets 10, third gets five. And it's three for a fourth driver if we have it, and one point for the fifth place driver if we get that far. Well, Miss Lee, she has been like, on point with her picks compared to the rest of us because she's kind of kicking our tail. <laughs> she, she stepped in some. She stepped in some dog Because uh, I think you just did. <laughs> yes, sir. She's gonna send me a private she, message. I'm gonna kick your ass. Because she had AJ Allmendinger in the road course for the Cup Series, which. She she first said she said and then she said no let's go AJ Allmendinger like two days before the race now she's like oh boy this is gonna be fun 
Well, needless to say, she she did her research because AJ Allmendinger was a uh, was a threat at one point yeah. during that race. Could have won. Yeah, well, should have, would have, couldn't, but just Seabell won. What what messed him up? People. I forget. He got some front end damage or something. Was that that was in the Xfinity? I'm trying to think what happened there because uh, something pushed him, put him to the back, and then he had to work his way back to the front, which is something we've seen a lot of in Sunday's race. But we'll get into that later. Go ahead, Ted. But uh, yeah, so currently our little point system. Uh, we'll start with our test dummy series. The truck series, I lead with 31, Mr. CJ is at 24, Craig, <laughs> Craig and Chris are at 21, and Miss Lead, um, I'm assuming she doesn't make, she has, she wants to keep quiet for the truck picks, keep all of her research to herself. Um, <laughs> Xfinity, You're going to be on her shit list. <laughs> Xfinity, I lead that one with 45 points. Mr. CJ's 22. Chris is right on his bumper with 21. Craig, I think, might be having a – might have had a slouter with 17. And uh, Miss Lee has only four points. On the cup side where our uh, where our little bet is on, Miss Lee just shoots up to 38 points. Um Chris is knocking on the door with 35, and then apparently the uh, us other three are uh, we're sleeping on the job somewhere because Craig is third with 19. I'm fourth with 15, and Mr. CJ uh, with 12. I guess the Rowdy Bush uh, curse is back again. What is that noise? What is that noise? Someone's dinging. What is that noise? I heard Craig say something twice. Miss Lee said, uh, Miss Lee said, research, me you guys search. are slaying me. <laughs> research, me search. You know what it is? You know what it is? She's got time. She's got time? I don't know how, but she's got time. No, I think she was no, in no, Facebook no. jail. She's the smartest one of us all. Miss Lee's got She's the all, smartest but, woman in uh, the, on this on this whole Network. Oh, uh, for sure. I mean, that's. I wouldn't be surprised if she was the smartest one in this network. I said she's the smartest one in this network. Smartest female in this network. Oh no no no! I, I said the smartest one. <laughs> she's also the only woman. <laughs> well, I don't know. I heard some stories about Taz, but that'll be for another show. Oh Lord, I'm yeah, titled let's the not secret lives. Titled the secret lives of the race chat live hosts. Not going to personal lives around here. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not go there. Oh goodness, Mr. CJ Sports. He's not here tonight, so we don't get to know his personal life today. Well, I thought I was going to have to be here, so I didn't think I was going to make it. Uh, well, you know what? But, uh, as always, though, Mr. CJ Sports has run into a problem, and uh, he is at Lowe's. Hoping to find a deal to fix water leak online running the toilet. Shaking my head. So yeah. Oh, he must have... he uh <laughs> as always we keep Mr. CJ Sports busy around here. Okay, well, so 
What we got? What we got? We got uh bottom yeah, of the hour. Had... We... Go ahead. Wow, we had a lot of racing this weekend at road courses. Greg, what do you have? Yeah, I I don't know about you guys, but I'm kind of liking this road course thing. Um, I think it's funny how yesterday the rainbow come out. The 24 car looked like the old Jeff Gordon whip. The rainbow come out. And some of them switched to rain tires. Some of them stayed on slicks. And Chase Elliott got dethroned. Oh, God. I mean, talk about bad timing for a pit stop. The guy was leading the race. He was running away with it. And the next thing you know, bam. <laughs> but, you know, it, it was either... It was either go to the longest line or uh oh, oh. somebody's gotta turn that now. Or go I forget what the other one was, but you know, it, it sucks for him. He hate as he said, I hate it. But it happens. And I mean that doesn't that doesn't downplay his dominance on road courses. But I will tell you that um, I think that the first two winners, it was a shame what happened to McDowell. The first lap, he had a tire go down, and and that pretty much took care of his day. Yeah, I mean, he clawed his way back to seven. Yeah, he clawed his way back to seven. Clawed is the key word in that. But I like that track. I like that track. I don't know. I was never a real big fan of road courses, and I'm starting to like them. I think they bring an added excitement to the uh, to the race. Lee says she loves road courses. She would since she's uh, winning. She's leading I, points. I, I can't <laughs> say that I dislike them. I don't want to be overrun with them. I watched IndyCar go from an oval series to a road course series, predominantly road course. Um, I like the style of racing that we have, but not all not all road courses have this style of racing. Uh, I think a lot of the bottlenecking and all was uh, um, what uh, kind of gave us the excitement. Um you go to places like Sonoma, you know, those are those are typically runaway races. There's not really good side by side racing. It's kind of a one lane track. Um, so uh, you know, I mean I'm enjoying it right now and I think that the racing is good, but uh you know, it's not something I wanna I don't wanna see fifteen or sixteen races no, a year run on road courses. I think, and I think, uh, you know, three or four would have been sufficient, but the half six now is a little, six or seven is a little overkill. And, uh, you know, three or we're four not, would be all right. NASCAR, but not, we're not the NASCAR Pinty series. Sorry, you Canadian right. folks. No, gosh, right? I mean, we're not trying to uh, offend anybody, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's why they have their old series, Trans Am series and stuff like that, you know. Um, but, uh, hey, I mean, I enjoyed the racing over the weekend. I think the trucks, I could not believe it took uh, an hour and a half to run five laps. I think that's a world record. Uh, <laughs> talk about the fastest <laughs> lap. 
<laughs> I'm serious. It took it, like an hour and a half so, to run five laps. No, what happened was is that <laughs> first couple laps was just like, hey, guys, let's full spend it. And then they're just like, oh, wait, Let, let's remember. We still got a whole race to go. Okay, we'll chill out. And then five laps to go. Hey, guys, full spend it. We don't care anymore. <laughs> Screw you. And then demo derby. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, but, I mean, you know, they were under uh, peculiar uh, circumstances as well, Taz. There was rain, and the track was wet, and, uh, I mean, what did we expect from these guys who were, you know, typically dirt and late model racers that have never had to deal with these type of uh, elements? I'll give props to Stuart Friesen. I mean, he a road course racer, but holy Christmas, he was up front. I was like, wait a minute, Stu's up front in a road course? I was like, you'll never hear those words come out of my mouth. I can't believe I'm saying it. So we had two first-time winners. Yeah, and the the first-time winner of the uh, uh, Daytona's winner will be the first out of the the Sweet 16. Wow. Well, I, I mean, do we know no. this for sure? I mean, Christopher Bell, this is this is something I wanted to bring up after the guest because, you know, we've taken two spots now away from the typical, uh, well, I would say, you know, the, the top 12 that we know are going to be there. Um, now, a couple of bad races for one of these top 12 drivers, uh, the top high, hierarchy of drivers, now all of a sudden you might see one miss the chase uh, because there's not just one driver that's uh, thrown in. Now it's two drivers in, and and we still got a long way to it. What is it? Twenty four races to go uh, to see if any more of these slots get filled. Uh, it's definitely, uh, you know, if you started out slow, like I like I looked over some of the uh, driver standings, um, Matt Dan Bedetto and. Uh, Kyle Bush and some guys on the outside looking in, man. I mean, you know, it's a long way to go, but I definitely wouldn't want to be too far away knowing that, uh, you know, 14 spots are the only spots available now. If you were that there 15 to 16 team, you know, like maybe a Bubba Wallace or you know, could, uh, possibly a, a Kurt Bush, now I'm basically seeing that, hey, uh, I need to race my way in. I'm going to have to win my way in. There was a thing I yeah. saw earlier today of um, how a Cup Series started their first two races with first-time winners. I want to say this year, it happened this year for the first time in like 50 years or something like that. Yeah, I think it's something in the early 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 1950s. Yeah, some 19, for the first time since the 1950s. Uh, we had two first-time winners in the Cup Series. Back to back. back. Yeah. Yeah, to start the season. I mean, it's crazy to think about that. And uh, anyone also see the NASCAR suspending uh, Chip Ganassi for a race? No, my God. Politics, politics, politics. Why? What happened? He invited a woman or something? So Ganassi suspended for one Cup race and fine 30 30k 
for violating NASCAR's COVID-19 guidelines. Um, he basically brought a non-essential individual to the restricted competition area last weekend at Daytona. While Ganassi will not be permitted to be at this weekend's cup race at Homestead, the penalty does not impact his teams of Kurt or Chastain. They'll be able to compete. And Ganassi, Ganassi Racing declined to comment on the penalty. Um, and then other penalties announced were crew chief Adam Stevens for Christopher Bell and crew chief Jeremy Bullens of uh, BK um, were fined 10K um, only because they have one lug nut not secure, but no point penalty, no position restricted. Interesting about uh, Chip Ganassi. If you know, if we find out later on that it was maybe his wife or one of his kids or something like that, uh, you know, it's just gonna it's uh, gonna be something that you know you you just hope that eventually all this will go away, right? I mean, I really I don't have anything to say to it. We don't know the full circumstances uh, behind the penalty, but you know, it's it's. It's the sign of the times. It's what we're living in today. And I'm sure that there was a reason why this person uh, was where they were at. And, uh, you know, Ganassi uh, probably knew ahead of time that he was violating protocols. So, uh, you know, whether or not he thought that he would get caught. Really, you know, much. I mean, it's a, yeah, right. That's uh, it's, Some of your drivers don't make that much, Craig Moore. Do they? No, I'm saying for him, thirty thousand dollars is it? Well, yeah, I mean it is it is a kind of a slap of the hand penalty, but you're you know thirty thousand buckaroos is uh thirty thousand buckaroos, and and you have to under you have to wonder why you know at what circumstance was it his wife who showed up and said hey you know I don't care I hadn't gone through protocol you know can you tell that kind of person oh was it a sponsor, or was it a potential sponsor. Uh, was it, uh, was it a sick kid? You know, we don't, we don't know. And, and Ganassi is not going to give us an open portal right now, uh, to know what this penalty is actually about. Um, I wish there was some explanation to it. I wish we knew more about it, but, uh, you know, the fact of it is, is NASCAR has laid down certain rules that we've watched during the NFL season coaches, uh, getting fined for not having face masks on and, and uh, I believe the Raiders, they lost a draft pick because Gruden really, uh, he tested the patience of the NFL. Maybe, you know, there is, there is definitely a year. They, we are COVID fatigue and people are tired of this lifestyle that we're having to live. And in the last couple of weeks, I myself have seen people just about tired of these freaking masks. They're tired of it. They're ready to go back. They're ready to give people hugs and, and fist pumps and, you know, uh, I mean, see their grandparents for crying out loud. I think a lot of this probably is COVID fatigue. You know, we're ready to have our lifestyles back. Unfortunately, you know, they sent us a letter this week saying that Talladega, uh, we're going to be at limited capacity and uh, no camping with tents, no free camping at all, uh, no infielders. Uh, they're basically taking everything fun from Talladega and taking it away from us. Uh, and I'm sure that, you know, there is a, a reasonable explanation from Chip Ganassi. 
on this penalty. We just probably won't hear about it anytime soon. Yeah, we might hear about it. We might hear about it uh, in the next couple of weeks, but I don't think we're going to hear anything about it probably before the end of March. I didn't hear anything on on the uh, news channels either as far as, like, serious or anything like that, serious or anything like that. Any more of an explanation, let's put it that way. So, um, we stay in Florida this week, which is, which is pretty cool. I actually, uh, I like this. The races are a little bit earlier in the afternoon, uh, you know, mid-afternoon, I should say, instead of, uh, late, like they are when they're on the West Coast. But, uh, next week? We're in Miami. Yeah, we're on the West Coast, I believe, next week. Uh, this coming week, we're we're still in Miami. We're still in the Sunshine State. Yeah, Homestead. What a weird place to be at in February. Yeah, since we're used to being there in November. Right. Obviously Is last this year. the last time that we'll race at Homestead? I think that's uh, something a lot of people are speculating. Well, I think I think a lot of that will depend on uh, I think a lot of that will depend on COVID going uh, into 2022. Now, I heard the thing that we could be wearing masks until the end of 2022. So who knows? They may mandate it that long. So we'll have to see. Well, the speculation with Homestead is that uh, somebody is trying to buy uh, the land and turn it into developmental property similar to the fate of Chicago land. Um, being that Homestead was built many years ago, I believe uh, the track is a lot older that, than uh and I think we've had cup races there. There was Xfinity races uh, before the cup race. I believe it was built sometime around 96 or 97, maybe as late as 99. Um, but uh, so that was a very underdeveloped area where they built the racetrack and similar to Chicago yeah, and, uh, and Texas Motor Speedway wow. as well. That's, that's it's prime real estate now. <laughs> Wasn't Homestead, like, when it first started, like, more of, like, a flat track? Like, it had very little banking, if it had any? Um, I, That may have been Disneyland, Disney World, the world of Disney, I think it was. But uh, I don't know. I'll have to go back and check that out, Tad. Interesting that you say that, because I know that they did make some change at Homestead. I know that there was, before it became a cup track, uh, there was there was something done to the racetrack. I don't know if it was a reconfiguration or more banking. Uh, that is something, uh, you know, Mike Paracone. Stats. <laughs> Look it up. Uh, but uh, so, you know, now it's a developing area and uh, could possibly be the last time that we see Homestead on the cup schedule. Yeah, it's very odd. This has been a championship racetrack since the, since the day it hit the cup schedule. And, uh, you know, now we've moved it to Arizona, to Phoenix. Um, you know, this track has typically given us some great racing. Uh, it's It's been the finale for our championship races for, I think, 16 years. And uh, I think... To... Go ahead. 
I think Homestead had the uh, capability. If they lost the championship, they could have hosted like an all-star or the playoff cutoff or the regular season uh, finale race. Because if you look at that facility, how it's decorated and built and just the overall look of it, if outside, take away just the racing part of it, like, that facility is amazing to be at. Like, I wish, I've never been there in, pers- in person, but, like, I've seen a lot of videos and pictures of it, and it, it's an outstanding place. And to see that wonderful facility um, possibly not even have racing there anymore, it just kind of sucks. And it sucked when they lost their ability to host a championship race, I kind of expected Homestead to be more a factor in some of these, like, bigger races. Like I said, the All-Star, um, maybe a finale for, like, the regular season or something. I mean, the track r- runs phenomenal races. Don't get me wrong there, but, like, the facility itself, it just has the capability of hold- hosting big events. Right. Uh, you know, going to the third race of the season, I think, uh, you know, we've tried Atlanta there. We've tried, um, of course, it was Rockingham back in the day was the second race, the third race. I believe it was Atlanta. The fourth race was somewhere. Bristol was fifth. It's good to see that NASCAR is figuring out the climates for these areas and have uh, extended. Of course, you know, I thought that we were supposed to go to California this year, but for some reason that, that racetrack's been taken off the schedule. Um, so having Daytona for, you know, it's three weeks long, I guess now. Um, and then going to Homestead, which is right down the road. Um, I think that that, uh, that gives you that warm weather climate. Now we'll do the West Coast swing and that'll push, you know, the, the Bristol race back a little bit. It'll be a little bit warmer for the Atlanta race. Uh, and, and, you know, you give these areas the the right climates. You know, Las Vegas is going to be warm. Phoenix is going to be warm. Um, you know, it's going to be the right climate while we're there. So, you know, and typically you, you can get into these places and uh, something, you know, you have bad weather or whatever. I think it even snowed one year in Las Vegas. Uh, but, uh, you know, for the most part, NASCAR's figured out how to work the schedule and, and weather not be so much of a factor. Well, I'm, I'm, I kind of like it. Like I said earlier, I kind of like having the, uh, it's like, it's like speed weeks all over again with it being in Florida, two weeks in Daytona and then one in Miami Homestead. As you said, it'll suck if they, if they end up stealing or if they end up selling, not stealing, if they end up selling, um, uh, Miami Homestead. But, I mean, if it happens, it happens. There is a proposed F1 racetrack down there that uh, Grand Prix does. So um, let's get our hopes up that uh, if they do take Homestead off the schedule, that uh, maybe NASCAR will adopt the uh, F1 track that they uh, that they have in, in hopes and plans for. As a matter of fact, uh, they were – they tried to approve it a couple of years ago. It's going to be the very first racetrack or Grand Prix style track 
that uh, has bridges that go over open water uh, included in on the racetrack. So uh, that would be really cool uh, if NASCAR could get their hands and participate in such a cool uh, style track. I know that they've been open to having a Grand Prix style track. Maybe their plans are to bring Miami to fruition. Um, it is 7.32. I guess we can take a commercial break real quick and gather our thoughts as we get ready for our guest, who I believe uh, just It'll be 845 area code, I believe. Yeah, I think they just pulled in. So we'll hold back the commercial break. And, Craig, I'll let you lead in on the interview as we bring him to Race Chat Live. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome uh, the promoter of Bethel Motor Speedway down in Sullivan County. Andy, Andy, how are you, my friend? Good, guys. How are you? You know what? We're above ground, and uh, you guys get much snow down there, didn't they? Oh man, we're, we've been getting snow nonstop for like the last four or five days. It's been uh, it's been kind of ridiculous. Well, I'll tell you what. You keep it down in Sullivan County. We don't need any more <laughs> up in Fulton and Montgomery, um, and and we'll be good. And then I'll come down and Taz and I'll make a trip down there this spring. Well, we'd love to have you. We've got a great season planned at the Bethel Motor Speedway this year. We've got uh, an action-packed schedule and uh, a lot of fun fun activities. So, hope you guys come down. Yeah, we will definitely. Taz, if uh, you're not going to be a – if you're not going to be standing up playing on the flag stand with sticks, maybe we'll take a ride. Hey, that sounds good. But, uh, Andy, tell us about this NASCAR home track. That was one of the things that honestly caught my eye. Um how did that how did that come to fruition and how does how does the track become one of the NASCAR home tracks? Well, it's something that we looked into for a handful of years prior before us uh jumping on um a couple of years ago, you know. NASCAR runs a national series for its weekly divisions and it's something that's been around for a long long time and there's been uh, a lot of great names, great drivers that have won the national championship and you know, it's 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 a way for local drivers to race on their, their Saturday night or their Friday night racetracks and compete against drivers from all over the country and race for a lot of money. The national champion gets uh, $25,000, you know, which for running your regular Saturday night track is a pretty damn good payout. Um, you know, there's names, you know, Doug Hoffman and from the dirt modified world was a NASCAR hey. national champion. Um, Ted Christopher, who everybody knows from the SK modifieds. Uh, was a national champion. And, uh, you know, this last year, Josh Berry, who's, who just came off a really good run down at Daytona for junior motorsports, was our national champion. So it was something that uh, our management group, George Van Ardsdale, our general manager, and our, our owner, uh, Jeff Lefcourt, looked into. We figured it would be a great uh, opportunity for our weekly drivers, and we jumped on. We're one of the two tracks in New York, us and the uh, Riverhead Raceway down in Long Island. So we compete uh, in three divisions, our NASCAR pavement modifieds, which we called them the BMS modifieds for the longest time. Uh, they're our division one. We moved uh, the street stock division to our division two, and we're starting a new division called the sport mod, which is basically dirt modifieds on pavement uh, with uh, some driver restrictions. 
So it gives an opportunity for new drivers for a dirt modified that, you know, let's face it, they haven't raced on pavement a lot and there's not a lot of experience to come in and get some experience and not have to go right up against the guys that have been doing it for a little while. And then we have our regular track divisions as well. We also run Inex Bandoleros and Legend Cars. And, man, we got so much in the Balfour Motor Speedway. you got to come check it out on a Saturday night. Yeah, we're going to have to take a ride down there, Taz. But you yeah, to- I want to see – I want to see dirt modifieds on an asphalt track. I mean, I've heard very, very, and I'm not over-exaggerating, very few uh, stories or anything in terms of dirt modifieds on asphalt tracks. Um, that's what made, that's the biggest one that caught my eye because um, I'm a big dirt modified person for the most part. But uh, just to hear dirt modifieds on asphalt, I just go, who? came up with that rocket science idea. <laughs> well, it, it's honestly, it's not a, uh, it's not a new idea. It's been around for a little while. Uh, you know, there was a lot of track. Well, heck back in the nineties, the early nineties, uh, they had the dirt asphalt challenge. That was a part of the super dirt series. And you'd get guys like Reggie Ruggiero, who's a NASCAR modified star. And Jeff Bodine won a race in uh, the Phil Chevrolet car that Doug Hoffman used to drive all the time. So it was something oh, wow. that was uh, that was pretty cool back in the day. But you know the problem with race car drivers is uh, they kind of exploit the rule book a little bit. Um, so these guys started building, you know, like special chassis built pavement dirt modifieds, um, and it just drove the cost way up. It was it was almost like having a special Syracuse car for three or four races. And uh, it just got to the point where they wouldn't do it anymore. But then you would have tracks. Uh, you know, there was one track up north that slips my mind. Uh, uh, they just went back to dirt. Uh, oh, man. Up near you guys. They, they used to race uh, on pavement. And, of course, uh, when Devil's Bowl was pavement, that was one of their, their classes. And, uh, you know, us at the Buffalo Motor Speedway, we've done it kind of forever. Uh, we've been really right in the middle of dirt country with our little tiny asphalt track. So with so many cars around, we figured to, to bring them on. And I'm a regular competitor in the dirt modifieds on pavement. I drive for a great race team, the Simacini team uh, that has been around forever uh, as well. And it's uh, it's a different animal. Me coming from kind of mostly pavement racing uh, to run a dirt car on pavement was a little adjusting, but uh, it's a lot of fun. And we got guys like uh, Ed Dockenhausen, and uh, we got some rookie drivers that are coming up this year, uh, the Noth brothers, and and uh, so many great drivers that you you can see. Josh Wilbur did an excellent job last year as well. We all beat and bang every Saturday night, so uh, we're gonna have another great season ahead of us. Yeah, yeah, Craig, we're gonna have to go down because I need a little warm up for asphalt modifies before I go to. Uh... Stafford Motor Speedway for SRX because they have an all-star uh, SK modified race with the SRX. So uh, I might need a warm-up with Bethel here. Well, we'll have to figure. We'll have to look at the schedule and figure what night you can take off from uh, Flagon, and we'll take a ride down to Sullivan County. I love. I used to live down in Orange County, so uh, Sullivan's not that far away. Explain to us what the IMAX series is the sanctioned uh, legends and bandoleras that you mentioned earlier 
So INEX is a lot like uh, what the the NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series is. It's run uh, by the uh, the 600 Racing Group down south, to where there's you know national championships and regional championships for both the Legend cars and the Bandolero cars, and they're kind of our our way in for younger drivers. Uh, Bandoleros, you can start at the age of eight, I believe, uh, in our rookie Bandolero class, and they're kind of you know oversized go karts with, uh, you know, a, a lawnmower-type engine. Uh, does have uh, four shocks and springs on all four corners, so the kids start to learn uh, some setup stuff. And, you know, the legend cars, they're, they're famous everywhere. You know, you have so many great drivers that come up uh, through the series, um, through the INEX series, through the National Series, such drivers like Daniel Hemrick, Joey Logano, um, David Reagan. All these guys kind of got their – their start through legend cars and bandolero cars and we see a lot of drivers at the Bethel Motor Speedway we run an event that's coming back this year uh took a hiatus because of COVID last year called Legend Stock and Legend Stock is our major uh INEX national qualifier for the legend cars and we run a big bandolero car race but li- listen listen to some of the names that have won our Legend Stock race and tell me if you've heard of them uh driver by the name of William Byron Driver by the name Don't of Daniel of Henrik. Uh, had, no. <laughs> uh, he started his career on you know, computers. Uh, no, well, he, listen, after computers, he jumped into legend cars, and he won at the Bethel Motor Speedway. Uh, Daniel Hemrick is a winner at the Bethel Motor Speedway. Joe Graff Jr., who's running the Xfinity Series now, uh, has won at Bethel Motor Speedway. So we, you can see the future stars in NASCAR if you come to our legend stock event this summer because we get the best of the best all over the country to come and race that one night. And uh, it's a ton of fun. It's a 50-lap shootout, and you'll see one heck of a show for sure. Now, how does – now, I'm not too familiar with um, weekly asphalt facts. Well, not – I kind of know the gist of it, but I'm not, like, too knowledgeable on this. So how does um, the weekly asphalt tracks run their programs? Like I know some they they have like a, like four classes and they run like they all run like a hunt anywhere between like seventy five to a hundred lap races or if they have like two classes a certain week they run a hundred fifty lap race. How do you guys do it? Do you guys do it like a normal like dirt track type deal where you run heat? And then yeah. you run, like, a 50-lap yeah. matinee, or do you do, like, straight-up, like, half-an-hour qualifying session for all classes, and then we're going to run a 50, 75, however many lap matinee? No, we, we run kind of what you're what you're accustomed to. We're, we run heat races, have point handicapping, and, you know, our, our normal feature event distance is 20 laps. And a lot happens in 20 laps on a little tiny quarter-mile asphalt track. Now, we have our special events, and we have a couple really good ones coming up this year as well um, to where, you know, we'll have extra distance events. Like on September 26th, which is a Sunday show this year, we have our Fall of 69 Dirt Modified Championship uh, where we had uh, 18, 19 cars compete in it last year, and it was one heck of a, a, heck of a race. Um, you know, we have another big event coming up this year for the first time ever. We're going to have an open crate modified twin 60s during our Catskill Clash weekend during the weekend of October 16th and 17th, uh, where if you guys watched, uh, you know, track pass 
and saw the World Series of Asphalt Racing, how the 602s were just invited down there. Those guys are going to be, going to be coming to the Bethel Motor Speedway on October the 16th for twin 60-lap features paying $1,500 to win each. So you're going to see a lot of big names. We've already gotten calls from a lot of big NASCAR regional stars uh, getting information about this race. So uh, that's going to be a great way to cap off the season. And then, of course, on the 17th, we have a 100-lap Sullivan shootout street stock event, which is part of the street stock shootout series that uh, a couple racers run that do a fantastic job with it. And, of course, we get everything started uh, May 1st is opening night. We have some practice nights on the 17th and the 24th. ton of enduro races throughout the year. Uh, we have some great uh, highlight races. On uh, June 26th, we have our Pinebrook reunion night, remembering a track that closed down uh, in Pinebrook, New Jersey. And my personal favorite, I try not to have favorites, but this one's definitely one of my favorites because uh, my family comes from the Danbury Race Arena, the, the LaJoy's ran out of. You know, we see Corey LaJoy running every Sunday now in the NASCAR Cup Series. His dad, Randy, raced there. His dad, uh, grandfather, Don, raced there. Uh, we have our Danbury Race Arena reunion night coming up on July the 10th. We have three big highlighted races that night. We have the Ev Pierce Memorial 50-lap race for the NASCAR Pavement Modifieds. We have a 55-lap race for uh, in tribute of Andy Montaneri, who was a great shoe at the Danbury Race Arena. And uh, one that's really important to me, we have the Joe Simacini Sr. 44-lap event for the Sport Mods, which I'll be in, and uh, try to go to Victory Lane in that one, as uh, we remember my car owner's dad, who was uh, an owner not only of Danbury, but all through uh, the region, ran uh, Middletown, Accord, Fonda, Orange County, uh, uh, where else, man, everywhere, Lebanon Valley, uh, all the old tracks, Pinebrook, Stafford, Thompson, the Simon has been around there forever, and uh, we're real excited to have a race for Joe Sr. this year. I'm just there. I'm, uh, I just pulled up your website, and uh, I like it. I like it. It's very nice. Brand new website, too. i got to give a shout-out to uh, George Van Artsdale. He did an excellent job with it. Uh, we had some issues with our, our past website. We have full control over this one, so uh, everybody tuning in, you know, please go to BethelSpeedway.com. It used to be Bethel Motor Speedway, but, uh, you know, we have the old saying, just pull the motor out and you get to our new website. So BethelSpeedway.com has all our updated information. Uh, it'll keep uh, updating all throughout the year to where, uh, you know, it used to take two or three weeks to get information out, and, and this day and age you just can't do that. So uh, we're real excited to have this new website a lot of cool stuff, and, you know, you can check out a picture of that uh, Red 4 New York car up there, too. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm looking at the schedule. and Go ahead, Taz. I'm sorry. No, we – one of our uh, – one of our hosts, he's kind of sitting back for a bit. Um, he kind of wants to know a little bit more uh, history for Bethel Motor Speedway. So what do you got for us? Oh, man, we got so much history in our 61 years – of uh, being a racetrack. It started off as, um, you know, a driver by the name of Jimmy Johnson, uh, not the one that you guys know, seven-time champion, uh, but uh, Jimmy Johnson, who's raced dirt modifieds all over the Northeast in uh, Sportsman and 358 competition. This was way back when he was running go-karts, and uh, there was, uh, I, I don't want to mess up his name, I want to say his John Westgate owned the property, 
And uh, Jimmy Johnson asked if he could come up and start running go-karts at this little oval track that was there. And that's what kind of got it started. And uh, we've gone through a bunch of name changes. It's been uh, the Sullivan County Speedway, the White Lake Speedway, the Kangiana Speedway, uh, now, of course, the Bethel Motor Speedway. I'm trying to remember if I'm forgetting one. I think that's all that I, that I remember. I'm sure there's one or two that were in there uh, that I forgot. And, you know, it's gone through a couple different ownerships. You know, now we're um, in the – Jeff Leftcourt is our, our business owner, and the Graf family owns the property. Um, they're people that are dedicated to motorsports, dedicated to racing, and, you know, we see a long, long future – of the racetrack going forward. And, uh, you know, George Van Ardsdale took over a handful of years ago, and we've just been making improvements little by little uh, each year. Last year was a great year, uh, all with COVID uh, involved as well. You know, we got around all those headaches. And i got to give a shout-out to the town of Bethel. Uh, they worked with us tremendously to make sure we were able to stay on track for all of uh, 2020. And we were one of the only tracks in New York that were able to have uh, grandstand fans at our events. Uh, we were able to, to open the doors and let fans come in and see some short track racing to kind of give them something to do, you know, because how COVID went last year, there's, there just weren't many options out there. And we were able to, you know, introduce some new fans to, to motorsports. And we're looking to do uh, 60 more years of racing up at Bethel. Dang, 61 years. Wow. I thought some of these tracks up here in New York were historical, but wow. So, um, what have that, what are like attend, how many fans do you like usually get on, um, if you want to go weekly basis or yearly basis that come in through the gate, um, You know, we're we're a small little racetrack that's growing, so we're we're averaging in between like six fifty to fifteen hundred on a Saturday night. Uh, you know, our bigger events obviously bring more people. I'll tell you, we have uh, a big demolition derby event that's coming up uh, this year on May the twenty second. The Spinning Wheels organization, which I call them the NASCAR Cup Series of Demolition Derby, uh, they're coming on May twenty second, and we had well over four thousand people in that tiny little racetrack for the demolition derby events that day. Uh, we're expecting sellout standing room only capacity crowd on May 22nd. So we can, we can pack them in there. That's for sure. Oh, wow. That's, uh, now you mentioned earlier how there was like a mixture type series. Have, have you, or maybe someone else thought about, doing that like kind of bringing that kind of uh series like into new york or just do it in motorsports in general no we have it's something that as you see it's kind of gaining popularity um you know the turkey derby down at wall stadium runs dirt modifieds uh every season or every event for the turkey derby every year and uh, you know they're they're doing it again march what 26 27th that they're welcoming the dirt modifieds back on pavement. Uh, Claremont in New Hampshire is running a six race series. Uh, there's a handful, I believe Adirondack park uh, is, you know, they run on a weekly basis that, you know, if it's something that we can kind of get all our heads together 
and uh, figure out a rules package and a sponsorship package. We've definitely talked about it. And there's even tracks out in Pennsylvania, uh, Mahoning Valley, and, uh, you know, they ran dirt modifieds for a little while. And uh, even the Evergreen Speedway expressed interest that, you know, maybe we could all work together and get that going again. Because, you know, it's a cool little show. It's, you know, cars, the best way I can describe it is this, because this was told to me about street stocks. It's taking a car that's not designed to do what you're asking it to do and make it do it. And I was like, that is the perfect definition to explain a dirt modified on pavement. Right. Because the weight's all the way back. Uh, you have a lot of flex in the chassis. you got a lot of body roll. And you want none of that in pavement racing. So how can you make it all work and get the car around the racetrack, especially a track like Buffalo Motor Speedway, which we actually go uphill in turn number uh, two, and we go downhill off of turn number four. So not only are we trying to make a dirt modified work on uh, a track that it's not used to, uh, we also have kind of an uphill downhill kind of thing we got to fight too. So uh, this is Chris uh, Creighton. Um, Andy, uh, tell us a little bit about this uh, PGA golf professional uh, tour. <laughs> And NASCAR driver that uh, there's only one of those guys, and 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 that's you, huh? That that's me. Yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, my my real job, I guess I could say, uh, is I'm a PGA golf pro. I uh, I teach at a couple facilities, uh, the Turtle Creek Golf Club and uh, the JS Golf uh, Academy, which I'm in the parking lot of right now. We just wrapped up our team team practice. Uh, I'm also the head coach at Mount St. Mary College. Uh, um, I head coach uh, their golf program, and uh, believe it or not, uh, racing is what actually got me into golf. Uh, it kind of and it spiraled into a career. I learned at a very very young age that CEOs and people that have money love to yes. play golf. Yes, so they do. Me as uh, a budding, uh, you know, trying to be the next Dale Earnhardt or Jeff Gordon, uh, and you know, don't have two nickels to rub together need their money to go race. So I started, uh, I, you know, I have the gift of gab and, uh, I get, I can kind of, you know, fast talk a little bit here and there to where I talked the local golf course into giving me free golf. And I would call up these CEO type people and, uh, invite them to come out and play golf. And I have four and a half hours to tell you why your name on my race car is the greatest thing ever. Wow. And, you know, it, it worked, it worked a lot better then, uh, then, you know, the secretary kind of shooing me out every 10 minutes, you know, for after 10 minutes. So right. I did that for a little while. And then, uh, the, the head pro at that golf course kind of cornered me one day and said, listen, kid, you're going to kill yourself driving these race cars. Why don't you come work for me during the week and go drive your race cars on the weekends? And we started doing that for a little while. And then, uh, you know, the economy kind of tanked in, you know, around 2001, 2002, and uh, I needed uh, needed a job, and you know, shortly after, I was married and kids, and uh, ended up, you know, going to the PGA qualifying tournament, ended up winning it, and uh, you know, started doing more golf than racing. You know, now that the kids are a little older, and and I kind of have a little bit more control of my career, uh, I got back into racing again. I got back in, I guess, uh, you know, with both feet. So that's. That's kind of the golf story. So I'm not the only racing golf pro because I know another guy runs uh, like Formula Fords or, or you know, historical SCCA stuff. 
but I'm the only one with an NASCAR license, so that's my claim to fame. Very interesting. And you're also an NHRA Division One driver. Uh, I I moonlight in in drag racing a little bit, yeah. So Enterprise Racing uh, is going to let me run a couple Division One races this year in in Stock Eliminator, and I've done that for a little while. I got uh, a couple wins in uh, NHRA competition. I got my Super Comp license. Um, I kind of fell into drag racing. Uh, I don't even remember how. I just started getting into it, and it was fun. Um, there's a lot less drama and a lot less fighting in drag racing. And uh, my kids love slot car drag racing. We do it at a couple tracks in the area. And, yeah, I do drag racing. I've done road racing. I do dirt modified racing. Man, if, if we could put a wheelbarrow with a steering wheel in it, I'll go race that too, man. It's just whatever whatever. I- Opportunities out there, I'll go for it for sure. Now, Taz, you know what he's talking about when he says slot car, right? Yeah, I know what he's talking about. Okay, okay, okay. Good deal. Good deal. Um, so, uh, you're, you're a man with a busy schedule. Tell us uh, what got you into the promoter side of... Uh, just uh, the right place at the right time is what, what I'll say. I was always interested in promoting. Um you know, I looked up to guys like Humpy Wheeler at Charlotte Motor Speedway um, and the guys that, that run kind of Glenn Donnelly, um, how he ran the dirt series and stuff. And I was always interested in learning the, you know, the backgate stuff because I always felt that helped me, you know, with, with my racing, with the racing side of stuff. So um, I was always kind of interested in it. You know, I always I would look up to like Howie Commander at Lebanon Valley and, and just see how he would run a show. And uh, I was announcing at the Bethel Motor Speedway uh, two years ago when uh, the promoter that was there, the director of promotions, uh, left to go to another facility. And uh, I, you know, put my two cents in of, uh, you know, hey, you know, maybe we should try this, this, and this. You know, this is just kind of an idea I have. And, uh, of course, I opened my big mouth that they offered me the job uh, to where now, you know, I kind of run – run the promotions and marketing for the speedway. I'm definitely not the promoter by, you know, kind of wording, you know, the promoter's kind of the guy in charge. I'm definitely not that at Bethel. Uh, that's George Van Ardsdale, our general manager. And, and trust me, I don't want his job. I see what he goes through. Uh, I do. I always say, I want to be like the PT Barnum of Sullivan County. I want to stand on my soapbox. I want to scream and yell that you got to come see the show uh, to everybody and anybody and pack the grandstands. And, you know, the cool thing about Bethel Motor Speedway, they allow my family to be involved. My 12-year-old son is now announcing with our head announcer, Fred Mulharan. Uh, he's going into his third year now of uh, in the announcer's booth. Um, wow. My wife runs a little sweet shop with my daughters. My daughters sing the national anthem most weekends. Um, and I get to race all while doing, uh, you know, <laughs> running around like a chicken with my head cut off. So, um, yeah, very grateful to be at Bethel and what they allow, because I, I tell this story, I've, I've been to the higher levels of auto racing and you'd never get to do this. It's, you know, more business. Bethel Motor Speedway is all about family. Uh, we try to promote a family atmosphere the best we can. That's why we do not sell alcohol at the speedway. We want to keep it a, a family atmosphere down there. And, um, yeah, it's just, you know, back to the promoting deal, it's just right place, right time, and I've been having a blast with it. Uh, you know, it, it was uh, it was definitely interesting to get kind of my first promotions 
type job in the middle of a worldwide pandemic, uh, which made things a lot of fun. Um, but really looking forward to this year. Uh, we got a great group, like I said, George Van Archdale and Mike Hager, who's director of racing uh, competition, uh, does a great job. And we all kind of, you know, we're, we're like a three-headed monster that when we put our heads together, we can come up with some pretty good stuff. Really looking forward to 2020, 2021. I got to stop saying yeah. that. Yeah, don't say 2020. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, Lord, it'd be like going to Bentley's Groundhog Day. Yeah. Andy, oh, no, I don't want that. No. Andy, I want to thank you very much for uh, taking time. I know that uh, I know that this was kind of well, it wasn't really last minute. It was about three weeks out, but uh, I don't know who runs your Facebook page. I'm guessing that it's you. Uh, I got a I hand. Thank. I don't know who responded back to me today rather quickly, but deeply appreciate it. Every time I've reached out to you guys, you guys have reached out, uh, reached back real quick. So Kaz and I are going to be making a trip down. Kaz and I, I'll, I'll let you know when we're coming down, and uh, tell yes, us some of the track do. sponsors you got. I tell us some of the track sponsors you got, and uh, again, thank you very much. Well, we got great support from Affordable Home Improvement. Uh, those guys do just an unbelievable job supporting the racetrack and and helping us out. Of course, Alliance Shipping. Uh, does a great job helping us as well. Uh, Inslinger, uh, Sunoco, and Hoosier Tires are our track sponsors. We can't do it without them. Always accepting new sponsors, and, and any sponsors out there would like to get involved, are more than welcome to give us a call. Not only uh, do you get the weekly uh, grandstand audience, but we also get a regional audience with Ron Hills and the Race Report uh, and his TV show, which does a fantastic job at the Speedway every Saturday night. And uh, so you can reach uh, a regional audience, not only a grandstand audience. And, um, again, thank you to everybody. Thank you to the fans. Thank you to you guys for letting me come on. Uh, you know, I'm talking about our racetrack. It's uh, the best part of my job is talking about how great of a racetrack we have at the Bethel Motor Speedway and how we are Sullivan County's family, affordable, fast option for speedway racing. And uh, hope you come out. Can't wait to see everybody. We will be. We will be. Taz and I will, Taz and I will figure out a date uh, that he's not flagging. He said if you ever need a guest flagger, he won't say this because he's modest. But uh, he does some <laughs> flagging. He, he does a lot of flagging up in our area. So he said if you ever need a guest flagger, let him know. And if he is available, <laughs> we'll keep it, it in mind back. for sure. See, that? I, I, got say, I, I heard you got, got a new head starter in Brandon. I've worked with him. We did. We did. We definitely uh, made some improvements on uh, the flag stand. We we had great flaggers the last couple of years. Uh, we're just looking for that little bit of consistency, and Brandon's going to bring that for us. Um, you know, he's definitely been around the block a little bit. So, you know, if we get a little rowdy out on the racetrack, he's he's going to be able to control us. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, one Absolutely. quick question before you get off here: Is there a way to watch any of the races yeah. at Bethel? Right now, no. Um, that's a NASCAR deal. Um, so, you know, listen, you to experience Bethel Motor Speedways. Come out and see it for yourself. There's no, uh, you know, seeing, hearing, smelling uh, all the uh, all the action going on. So, come to Speedway and join us. Absolutely, absolutely. Again, Andy, thank you very much. Best of luck in 2021. 
and we will be down to see you probably late May, early June. Sounds good, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on, and see everybody. See everybody at the track. Good night, Andrew. Wow. I don't know about you guys, but that was a stellar, stellar interview. Yeah, definitely. And and I would definitely uh, like to get that guy on, as Lee had mentioned uh, in the group chat there, to get that guy on that does the local racing news. We need to add a, a little bit more of that to the uh, to the program here. And, and I look to uh, reach out to some of the guys that I know do reporting um, around our area. There's a, there's a weird feedback coming through the line. You guys, I'm going to hit the mute button. I'm going to see if I can figure it out real quick. All right. I'll bring you back there, Taz. I'm here. Okay, you there? Yep. Let's see about. Yep, it's coming from your end, Craig. It's like you're in a tunnel. Um, but anyway, uh, we'll. Uh, I guess you can't do much about it. Um, I can hang up and call in again and see if that helps. No, it sounds like something's rubbing against your uh, microphone, really, is what it sounds like. It could be. It could be my beard. Yeah, it could be. Giving off some kind of alien wave there, some death ray or something. Yeah, well, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go to commercial. Are you ready? Your wedding day. A day that you've envisioned in your mind. And now that it's becoming a reality, don't risk your once-in-a-lifetime events. To a once-in-a-while amateur you found on Craigslist. Hi, can you hear me? The entertainment you choose for your special day Hi. can either Great. make or break your celebration. Can you hear me? You can never redo your wedding. But you can avoid a costly mistake by hiring a true professional. We make every wedding unforgettable. When what you need is more than music, what you want is more to music. That's M-O-O-R-E to M-U-S-I-C. More to music. Find more to music on Facebook. M-O-O-R-E to M-U-S-I-C. Also, more to music.com. More to music. More to music specializes in weddings, anniversaries, parties of all kinds. Including the one in your backyard where you want some karaoke for all your friends? More to music. Owner operator Craig Moore can be found on Facebook right now. More to music. M O O R E, the number two, M U S I C. More to music. More to music. By the way, it's never too early to plan your event. Plus, check out more2music.com. Find out how you could win $500 in karaoke idol. More2music.com. More to music. All of Craig Moore's services offered are available on his webpage, more2music.com. M O O R E, the number two, M U S I C.com. More2music.com. When what you want is more than music, what you need is more to music. More2music.com. All right, more to music.com. Check it out. Uh, as we get into our uh, third segment of the program, uh, we'll circle back to the uh, Xfinity series and the racing coming up this weekend. Of course, uh, Ty Gibbs was the winner at the uh, at the road course race this past weekend. 
Um, who won the truck race, guys? Who was that? Uh, ben, Rhodes. Uh, ben Rhodes. Yeah, Ben Rhodes. And uh, they, it was the race was so long. I mean, just, uh, he took two the white two. flag, and then they had to, another caution, but he didn't. He didn't get the white flag, even though the flagger had the white flag in his in his, in his hand. I guess he hid it from him. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, I, they I'm, raced over the weekend. Are we racing all three series this weekend, Taz? I think trucks are off <clears> this week, but Xfinity and Cup are on. So, uh, I'm trying to check here quick. Um, but as far as I know, it's Xfinity and Cup. Yep, Cup is this weekend at Homestead. Xfinity is, and trucks are off till Las. We go to Las Vegas. Yes. Uh, the trucks typically take. Uh, Several weeks off from the beginning of the year, they race at Daytona. This year, we got uh, two weeks of them in a row, uh, but we'll be glad to when they start back up at Las Vegas. Uh, Homestead, I don't know what to expect from Homestead. It's typically, like we said earlier, it's the championship race. It's gonna be hard to call this one. I do believe we snuck a Homestead in last year uh, as we were making up races. I'm, I think we were in and out of there in one day, um, so this week will definitely be a little bit different. So I'm not I'm not even sure who the defending winner is uh, from this race, but uh, you know it's it's hard to know what to expect. I think we'll be back to the limited horsepower motor, the 550 horsepower motor. Um, so you know it's a uh, low low horsepower, high downforce type race. We'll see a lot of the guys on the top side. I know I've seen Kyle Larson run really good here. Uh, those guys that like to run up against the wall, this is that racetrack. This is a racetrack that's typically run a lot like uh, Darlington. See a lot of stripes, a lot of homestead stripes on the, on the sides of the race cars. Uh, Tyler Reddick, this will be a good racetrack for him. He's won two championships, I believe, two uh, Xfinity championships. And RCR has been RCR has been running up there this year, and not just and not just one driver in particular out of that organization. Like they've they've been coming in entirely as a team. Um, I mean, Austin Dillon had bright spots um, during that road course race. Uh, Tyler Reddick has been up there, but unfortunately, he just has been getting caught up in bad luck this. Uh, this year, but um, I feel like RCR could come in threatening here this weekend, especially Tyler Reddick. And I, and speaking of RCR, I got thinking of this over the weekend. Um, I kind of feel like RCR has now got more competitive when nothing against uh, Ryan Newman, but I feel like when RCR made the move from Ryan Newman to Tyler Reddick, I kind of feel like they gave a competition urge to Austin Dillon because he knows that Tyler Reddick is ready and hungry to yeah. be up front. And um, so now he's got that competition urge. So RCR, I believe, has got that uh, competitive spirit back into the organization. Thanks I know Tyler over Reddick. the last several years, we've kind of felt like RCR was the bottom of the bucket. But we have to remember, it wasn't that long ago 
that Kevin Harvick was contending for championships. He was he didn't win a championship, but he was contending, and he was, uh, you know, a, a threat to win at a lot of racetracks. It's been just over the last five years that RCR took a belly roll, and uh, I believe that they're catching up now, and they've got good equipment. Tyler Reddick was able to bring a lot of extra resource to the table, um, where I think. Uh, you know, it's the Caterpillar old deal, you know, Caterpillar been around a long time. I don't know if they were putting as much in the market as what uh, what you would think they were. And uh, the sponsorship woes with uh, Dow uh, over at uh, Austin Dillon's uh, uh, camp. So, you know, those are things that Tyler Reddick brought in a lot of extra funding. And uh, so RCR has been able to improve on that. Uh, it is concerning. I've heard through the grapevine that uh, there could possibly be a lower-tier Chevy team moving to Toyota next year, that Toyota's highly scouting one of these lower-tier uh, race teams. And it almost, uh, you know, when they say a lower-tier race team, you know, I know that there's not the Childress. I doubt Richard Childress would ever leave Chevrolet. And they're combining the engine com- uh, departments uh, for the next for next year. Yeah, uh, Right, so you know, that kind of has to make me wonder if maybe the satellite team, the the Richard Petty Motorsports, if you know Eric Jones, maybe maybe he heads back to Toyota. Have you guys heard anything about that? Um, no, this is the first time I've heard of anything. But if you talk about here, Chevy teams, I don't. I'm gonna say no, on Petty. Um. The low tier Chevrolet team. Ooh, good boy. I yeah, it was. I could be off on this one. Um, the only team that I think that could work out in that favor would either be. Oh, I got two options. It's. I think it's either going to be. Um, track house, but I don't see Justin Mark leaving Chevy, but could be wrong there. Um, because track house has that RCR alliance. Um, but I'm kind of wondering about Spire. Spire? I'm wondering if, if, if it could be Spire, but I mean, there's a lot of options because Starcom. Uh, I don't really see them going that direction. I mean, Starcom is just one of those teams that just plays under the radar for the most part. Um, JTG, I think they have an alliance through Hendrick, so I don't see them doing any They used to race Toyotas. JTG used to be a uh, Toyota-affiliated team. I've made the switch back to or two Chevrolet, I believe, in 2009. They were originally a Ford team. Uh, and then they switched to Toyota and then, and then most recently moved to Chevrolet. Uh, so, you know, I think uh, I, Eric Estep was the one that first reported that. Uh, that was through a YouTube video that I watched. And uh, so it makes things interesting. That uh, Toyota is definitely scouting a third team, uh, plus maybe an additional driver to the 23 uh, XI team. 
2311. Some people, some people are believing that 23XI, if they were to get a second car, it's going to be a number 32, but they would have to somehow get that number from GoFast if it's doable. And if they can, they're looking at possible drivers. But I think if they were to do that, um, if they were to get a second car and open it up full time for somebody else, um, I think the most notable driver to do that would be the guy who ran for the team at the Clash and who's currently signed a deal with Toyota to run part-time Cup and part-time Xfinity, uh, Ty Dillon. I think this could be his open route to go. That doesn't over that doesn't see um, yeah. him needing grandpa to help him out. Yeah, no, I don't think his grandpa can help him out. I think that uh, his career lays in the hands of his his own talent and uh, the deals that he can make. And if I'm 23, if I'm Michael Jordan, I'm definitely naming my second. I'm definitely numbering my second car 45. In honor of the jersey that he wore when he came out of retirement in '95, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Ty Dillon's the top dog on my list. Uh, Taz, I mean, I think that uh, just the pool of talent that's within the truck organization and the uh, uh, um, the Xfinity series, I would I would probably pull somebody from there. Or possibly maybe try to land a Matt Diamondetto. I would definitely try to find a driver that I thought could be more talented than my number one driver. Uh, well, I really somehow salvaged, that. I think, believe a top fifteen finish this weekend. I really, have, I really wonder if Michael Jordan. He made a statement uh, after Daytona, I believe it was, that said he believes they can win. I think it was three, four, or five races this season. Well, I wonder if he's, like, second-guessing opening his mouth and possibly writing checks that his driver won't be able to cash. Uh, I wonder if he's... if it's And if you listen to all the... When they're talking, all the analysts up in the booth, they refer to that car as a JGR car. They don't say JGR Alliance. They say JGR... Toyota. Uh, so, as we've said before, NASCAR knows what's going on. They ain't stupid. And, you know, sooner or later, I think that NASCAR is going to have to address that issue. And because I think that's going to be an elephant in the room. But I think that they went with, <clears throat> my personal opinion, excuse me, is I think they went with Bubba Wallace for the notoriety issue and the sponsorship dollars oh, yeah. that um, he will bring or he is bringing. Cause for sure. Bubba Wallace had $40 million worth of sponsorship to bring to the table. Right. So, you know, but I wonder if, if MJ is a little concerned now about uh, his investment yet. or if when I, he If I were Michael Jordan... And I, and I was very serious about making this happen. I would do similar to what Tony Stewart did. I would go out and get the best people that I know and uh, try to get them to come, come work for me. 
similar to what he did with Kevin Hart. I mean, Bubba Wallace, sure, he's you know he's a Kurt Busch. He's uh, you know uh, he was a, he's a Ryan Newman. Okay, I, probably not, but I'll put him there. Okay, but now your next driver that you bring into the Accord, he better have, he better be a talented driver, and he better be a championship caliber driver. There's several drivers that are up. Uh, for free agency, and one of the number one drivers, if I was Michael Jordan, if I, if I was to to go out and try to pick a second driver for my car that is not under contract next year, I would go no further than Brad Keselowski. Interesting. Bam! Yeah, Y'all got quiet. <laughs> I, see, I, I don't... See, the reason why I don't much of that because I don't know if I don't know what kind of path that 2311 ratio is going like if they want to go a driver to kind of build themselves quickly in a short amount of time yeah Brad could be a great option but if they're looking for more of a um, more of a long term deal with a driver that has talent and obviously has some kind of money behind them, then Brad's not going to be a top option. Um, I just don't see it that way um, at the rate we're even looking at. And uh, in terms of the Toyota deal, I mean, at the moment in time, I can see tied. I just say Ty Dillon because he's obviously shown in spots with Jermaine Racing. Um, and I feel like he could, he can show those bright spots again if he's put into the right equipment. Like, don't take anything away from Jermaine. Um, they were competitive when they were at certain tracks, but like, Overall, we knew Jermaine was not a competitive team at all. And I feel like 23-11 has that competitive edge, but they need the right driver. And I'm sorry to say it, but – well, actually, let's play this way. I'm sorry, not sorry to say this, but Love is not your guy. He's really not. Well, that's why I said I wonder if – I mean, obviously, the the money aspect of it, the pay-to-play, as John Visconti, who was an awesome guest, just like this week's guest, said, that um, it's a pay-to-play society, and a, it's a pay-to-play game. So, you know, you've got to do something, and Bubba Wallace brings me I think... dollars to, to sponsor in sponsorship to the table. So... That's kind of hard. To, I don't know anybody that would turn that down, Taz. Yeah, I think the whole idea of Michael Jordan coming to the sport, though, is that he can bring, attract other sponsors that typically would not be feasible for a NASCAR to be able to get a hold of. And I think that's the whole deal why NASCAR is bending the rule with Denny Hamlin is because they feel that Jordan can bring this type of cash flow that uh, – other owners are just not going to be capable of doing in, 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 in this marketing thing. Um, but, you know, whether we see that come about, you know, it, we kind of 
pretty much left to see Bubba Wallace brought most of the funding for the the race teams this year. Um, as Jordan continues along, hopefully he will uh, be able to attract certain sponsorships. And I think that you know when you put a guy like Keselowski in your race car, who's a past champion who typically wins one to two races every single year, you'll be able to sell that sponsorship. You'll be able to provide a sponsorship for the driver. Because it is true, Keselowski, his whole career, has had a hard time landing a sponsor. Uh, it's, it's, it's very, you know, nerve-wracking almost to say that uh, Keselowski has never really attracted a big-time sponsor. He stepped into a ride that was fully sponsored by Miller. Unfortunately, you know, Philip Morris has decided to go another route, and they're not sponsoring as much this year. I think only, I think only one race, and it's not even Miller Lite. I think it's Keystone Lite or something that's on the race car. Uh, but uh, you know, Discount Tire and all these other sponsors that have come about were not ever Keselowski sponsorships. They were sponsorships that uh, that you know were already secured by Penske Racing. Uh, so I'm not sure if, if Keselowski's ever actually brought a sponsor to the table in his entire career. Well, the one thing we were talking about uh, Michael Jordan here about, and you mentioned it earlier, Chris, that he he's now an outlet for sponsors to come in that don't really have much of ties with NASCAR one way or another, um, or bringing sponsors that really shouldn't have any business being in NASCAR, but they're bringing in sponsorships and whatever. But you mentioned that, but when Michael Jordan came in, that also brought in, I believe that kind of opened the doors for other um, non-NASCAR related uh, figures to come in. And I'll bring up two great prime examples. One being Pitbull being part owner of Trackhouse. Um, pop Brazilian sensation star. Um, he he came in and look at the sponsorship pouring in for Trackhouse and Daniel Suarez. Um and then um, if you look at the Xfinity, if you look at the Xfinity series, uh, Ryan Vargas, who went into the Daytona Road Course um, with no sponsor, he went on. He posted on Twitter saying, "I need help with the sponsor. We have no sponsor for this week. Um, any any inquiry, any series inquiries are open. Let us know." And this is how powerful social media is, too, when I'm mentioning this story. As soon as he posted that, not much longer later, you have uh, NFL star and New Orleans Saints um, guy, Alvin Kamara, come in and sponsor Ryan Vargas, who didn't have a sponsor for Daytona Road Course this weekend. And when Vargas said, I need a sponsor for this week, Alvin Kamara made the call. So with Jordan coming into NASCAR and doing what he's doing, it opened doors for other um, other people um, that normally wouldn't have any business dealing with NASCAR to kind of knock in the door and bring in new sponsorship for NASCAR. It doesn't have to be NASCAR series in general. It could be just for a driver. It could be like a one-off sponsorship type deal, or it could be a, a multi-race or even a multi-year deal. 
I mean, if yeah, this year's proven anything so far, it's proven that the uh, un, unimaginable drivers would, would catapult themselves into uh, NASCAR history. I mean, look at look at uh, oh Ty Dillon, although he raced on Pawpaw's money. But it just showed that, you know, a little bit of help will will propel you into NASCAR uh, history books, if you will. And I agree with you, Taz. I think that that somewhat of their name notoriety with him putting that on Twitter, which you can follow us on Twitter at chat underscore race, by the way, Um pretty much every morning and sharing stuff and retweet. But it it's helped it's helped teams. I mean we talked about Daniel Suarez. He he finished sixteenth this past weekend. You know, it it probably wasn't what he had hoped, obviously, but it was, you know, a top twenty finish for uh, a minor league team. In track house, so that's that's pretty, you know, that's pretty good for him. That'll give him a build on going into Miami Homestead. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's leaps and bounds. Uh, nobody expected that, and Suarez drove his ass off uh, to get that. As a matter of fact, it was reported later that he actually got sick on la- uh, yeah, with 15 laps to go, and just imagine for 15 grueling laps around a road course, I'm gonna smell your own vomit. Uh, yeah, well, I feel dedication. bad for the interior guy. <laughs> yeah, well, I've heard that they're used to that, uh, having to clean the pee up off the off the floorboards of these cars. Um, but anyway, yeah, that, that, that's terrible. Uh, yeah, well, I'm very, very happy in Trackhouse, uh, their performance. I think that they did a really great job. Spire Motorsports, uh, Corey LaJoy, uh, you know, these road courses are going to be beneficial to some that are good road racers if their equipment, you know, uh, doesn't get wore out too quick. And they can be detrimental uh, to others depending on brake packages and stuff like that. Uh, but So we really had two throwaway races for our regular season championships. It's kind of the reason why we've seen the Michael McDowell's and uh, – um, Possibly Christopher Bell where they are. I'm not sure if Christopher Bell's win is a fluke. I know we haven't spent much time talking about that uh, here tonight, but uh, I'm not sure if it's much of a fluke. I think uh, it just, you know, it just was surprising that it that it happened this fast. I've been a proponent of Christopher Bell. I've, I've criticized him a lot over the last couple of years. Uh, he showed uh, he showed me that I uh, may be eating those words here in the next year or so. Uh, this could be I what catapults with, Christopher Bell into that next level. I think with Bell, and not to take anything away from his talent, I think he does have uh, talent behind the wheel. Um, I will eat my words, and I said this earlier this year that I thought Kyle Larson would get a win before Christopher Bell. Well, obviously Christopher Bell is making me eat my words and basically rub it in my face now. Um, but the one great thing about 
well is that I think I think with this it comes it's, he's gonna go into Homestead or um, any of, any of these other tougher races coming up is kind of prove that this win wasn't a fluke joke. But I think with Bell at the road course this weekend, I think for him it was just right place, right time, and great strategy. Um, and the team all around. I mean, if you really look at it with the road course, that should have been Chief Elliott's race to freaking win, not to lose. Unfortunately, but it, it, that's just how the cards played out. I mean, Truex was was running down Chief Elliott. Truex was another factor um, at one point. So, and and there was like a few, there was a handful of laps where Kyle Larson was a handful in there. Um, Logano had was running up front, and then once Elliott was in his rearview mirror, Logano was running up front, led some laps. But I mean, I'm kind of interested to see how Bell does on some of these tracks, and kind of, I'm kind of hoping that he proves that this win was no joke. I'm really hoping, honestly. I definitely feel that uh, Bell could be a multi-winner this year. Um, he's definitely in a competitive ride. Um, and he's got a great crew chief. I think we forget. He's got a two-time championship crew chief uh, at the top of his stable. And, uh, and Kyle Adam, got rid of him personally. Well, I, <laughs> Kyle says he quit on him. So I don't know, I don't know who to believe there. Uh, but uh, Kyle Busch said that he had asked for some personnel changes, and Adam Stevens refused. And uh, Kyle basically said that uh, his crew chief quit on him. I'm sure Adam Stevens looks at it a lot different. Um, and, uh, you know, how can you be the – I thought the crew chief was the man in charge anyway, right? I mean uh, – What is the schedule? Um, so, I'm kind of looking at the point standings right now after two races. And I know it's only two races, and some people are going to say, oh, shocking surprise. Well, if you look at our two races we've had, um, don't play, don't be all, oh, I'm so shocked. Well, here they are as we speak. So, Denny Hamlin leads the point with 104. Um, Logano second, 12 points back. Harvick is third, 21 back. Uh, Christopher Bell, who's locked into the 16-car playoff grid, 22 points back. Chase Elliott rounds out your top five, 25 points back. Uh, sixth is your Daytona 500 winner, Michael McDowell, who, who had a bright showing towards the end of the road course race with a great finish. Uh, 29 points back for him and sixth. Brian Priest, um, who has to basically qualify his way into every race because his car is not a chartered team. Uh, currently sits 7th in points, 30 points back. Kurt Busch in 8th, 39 points back. Austin Dillon and Brad Keselowski tied for ninth and 10th, 40 points back. And you have Cole Custer on uh, 11th, 50 points back. Kyle Larson in 12th, 51 back. Uh, Bubba Wallace, 13, 52 back. Uh, Martin Truex Jr., 57 back. We mentioned Corey LaJoy earlier in Spire Motorsports. Hey, they're sitting 15th right now. 
Uh, 66 points back, tied with Ricky Stenhouse Jr., uh, 66 back. Outside looking in, that we would probably expect to be in the top 16 sometime soon this season. Uh, Kyle Bush sitting 17th. He's three points out looking in. Um, Ryan Blaney sitting 19th. Um, he's 70 points back from the point leader. Um, we could probably see Shastain in there. He's maybe not, depending on uh, his aggression level. We'll see how that pays off. He sits 20th. Um, Alex Bowman, uh, who was a race winner last year, uh, playoff contender, went somewhat far in the playoffs, if I, don't, if I remember correctly. Uh, sits 23rd, 75 points back from the point leader. Uh, Byron's another another key one, 85 points back, all the way back in 29th. Yeah, Byron and uh, Diamondetto are both uh, steadily losing ground. Of course, guys, it's only two two races in, uh, and this is all subject to change. And hey, you win and you're in. Uh, the 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 deal with this is we have a, quite a few drivers who could wind up in victory lane, and uh, you know Chase Briscoe, pretty good road racer himself. I know he had bad luck on this one, uh, but there's going to be some open times, you know, with six more road courses to go, where somebody else might squeeze into there. So you know, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be so sure I could fall back on points this year. This is the year that I think the uh the guys who are racing the point side they're gonna they're gonna be on the outside end the ron newmans uh the bubba wallaces uh those guys that are not going to get a win this year they're going to be you know you know on the outside looking in uh, hopefully dan medetto and uh byron william byron can maybe fetch a win and secure their their spot uh but uh this definitely uh Definitely going to be some racing for those top 10, at least top 10 positions uh, for the chase. Um, I'm looking, I look at this, I don't mean to cut you off there, Chris, but uh, I'm looking at this year for the Cup Series. I feel like there's going to be a lot of variety for the Cup Series this year, like it was last year like yeah briscoe dominated for the most part but i feel like xfinity last year had some variety flair to it and i feel like this year cup now has that not only because of the different drivers coming in and um and mixing things up but i feel like with how the schedule is i mean after Homestead, we have three races before we hit the dirt track of Bristol. Yeah, and that's another. We, and then after, and then after Bristol, you go to you go to two short tracks of Martinsville, Richmond, and then you have the wild race of Talladega. Then you have Darlington yeah. two weeks after. I mean, you have Nashville in the middle of June. Yeah. And then you have a couple other road courses that haven't hit the Cup schedule either ever or in a long time. We're used to two or three uh, wild card races throughout the year. This season, I think we should expect seven to eight, <laughs> and and could definitely see um, seven to eight different winners that we weren't expecting. Uh, you know, how we'll see how the dice roll. Uh, 
and will we see the continued dominance of drivers like Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick, the big three, Martin Truex uh, from a couple of years ago? Um, who was the big three last year? It was Kevin Harvick. It was and... Harvick, Hamlin, and – oh, God. Uh... I guess Logano? No. Who was it? Because it wasn't really Chase Elliott. We we would have never picked Chase Elliott to win the championship Chase, because he Chase was never Elliott really was, the threat. I will say this. Chase Elliott last year was the Joey Logano of 2018 or 19, whenever Logano won his title. Because Elliott ran... Yeah, he kind of just snuck in there. Elliott ran so consistent last year that no matter what point system you use, anyone used, Chase Elliott was top four. If you, because I, I did see, um, a, this was like a while back, I think during the off season or towards the end of the season last year, um, someone took a lot of time and they went through the old Winston points format. They went through the first, the very first edition of Chase for the Cup, and they went through every single points format that NASCAR used um, in existence. And Chase Elliott sat top four every single point system used. So he was he just had that consistency to just sneak in there. Yeah, yeah. I, he, he, I guess you know when you look at it all. He had a pretty successful year, and that's the reason why he's the champion. He had the most consistent there, and uh, well, actually, that's not how the chase is. Uh, he had he got lucky at Phoenix, and uh, but you know, Kevin Harvick, who I thought was the best candidate all year, come into Phoenix and didn't even have a, a decent run, so he definitely would not have been a championship. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree, Craig. People just need to enjoy the points for what it is, and and. Uh, we always, you know, could have crowned a junior champion, and Jeff Gordon would have gotten five, six championships. And, you know, it's time to let the old point system go, and I agree with that uh, 1,000%. Uh, but, you know, there again, it's a crapshoot now to win a championship in the Cup Series. Uh, you can get hot at the right time. You can stink for 26 races. And then in the last 10 races, squeeze yourself in and be a champion. Uh, not sure how that really works out, though. They spend so much time psychoanalyzing and microanalyzing this. Just like I said, you agreed. Enjoy it for what it is. I, I think that it's... Uh, I was. I remember you and I had this conversation when they, when they talked about the stage racing. I'm like, I'm not a fan of that. I don't think that's going to be. I don't. I, I'm not going to like that. Well, I'll tell you what. It's created some of the most exciting races inside the race itself since its inception, and it, it proves that every position matters. And I think for sure that. Uh, I, I, for one, hope they they don't screw with it anymore. Leave it the way that it is. And I'm excited to. Uh, but like you said, you can stink for 25 races, pull off a miracle on that 26th race, and you 
you're in the you're in the playoffs. And yeah. you know, NASCAR is the only sport that NASCAR is the only sport that even the play even since the playoffs are going on, every team is out there for a win, unlike your stick and ball sports. So right. where where people are actually eliminated. I, and I've heard right. for a long time that, hey, you know, let's eliminate these drivers that didn't make the chase. But uh, I don't think that's fair either. They should be able to race a 36-race schedule just like everybody else. And, uh, you know, they, uh, unfortunately, what we've seen over the last few years is uh, guys that are moving over for these chase guys. And, uh, you know, hopefully we won't see so much of that this year. Um, but uh, so we're getting near the closing of the show. Um you guys got anything else y'all want to cover before we make our picks? No. Um, one thing I do want to add quick, uh, since dirt racing is going to be coming up for us in the Northeast here shortly, um, and we're coming, we're getting ready to wrap up February, heading to March. Heading into March, usually, um, the talk of the town is March Madness in terms of basketball. Well, there's March Madness in racing. Short Track Super Series, they kick off their official point season um, after racing in Florida uh, in late January. They have a number of events hitting March, and they're calling it the March Madness for them. Uh, they start at Delaware's Georgetown Speedway, then go to Central PA uh, for Salem's Grove and Port Royal. Uh, Georgetown starts March 12th, to, 12th and 13th for the Melvin L. Joseph Memorial Weekend event. Um, and then Salem's Grove, um, they'll open their 75th uh, year of the track with the, with the series um, invading over, over there on March 20th. Um, and then the day right after, they're going from Salem's Grove to uh, Port Royal. So uh, we're going to have some. So March is really going to uh, launch a lot of things off outside of the start. Yeah, and next week's show, I, I think we should do some grading. Uh, who are the top guys? And in the in the two series, we'll know a little bit more as we finally get to a, I guess a mile and a half cookie cutter racetrack. We'll get to see a little bit better of how competition is going to lay out this year. I'm very impressed with Daniel Hemrick right now, and I can't wait to see uh, what he does this weekend in that number 18 car. Uh, on the Cup side, uh, I guess. Uh, you know, Harvick is a big question mark. He's shown that he can be fast, but uh, n- nothing that has just blown us away yet. But I don't, th- I don't think, you know, we really have a stepping stone either, and this will be the first one that we kind of get and see how these guys uh, line up for the year, see how, see how fast the JGR cars are, see where the Fords stand, see where the Chevys are. Um because we, we don't know much about this season yet with the two races that we've raced, a road course and a, and a super speedway race. So we'll be a little bit more knowledgeable. Um, Tyler Reddick, he's going to be one to watch this weekend. Kyle Larson is going to be one to watch on the cup side. 
but I'm I'm about ready to to make my picks for this weekend. I've already named my Xfinity pick. I'm going I'm going to stay with Daniel Hemrick this weekend. Uh, I know uh, Riley Hurst and I know Austin Sendrick. Uh, they both are uh, kind of the favorites rolling into this year. Uh, but uh, I'm going to put my money with Daniel Hemrick in the Xfinity side on the Cup side. I'm probably going to shock everybody, but uh, I'm going with uh, with Kyle Larson. <laughs> God darn it. You, you, you my stole mine. We can roll. Yeah, you stole mine. That was who mine was going to be. Well, I guess all three of us are going with Larson. No, well, well, us three, three got to gotta show variety here for the club side. What the heck? Okay, so Miss uh, Lee, Lee said she's going for Larson and Cindric hey, for the Xfinity Series. So if I had to make a second pick, I would go with uh, Tyler Reddick. Well, if I'm on a pick, well, I already said we already said my cup pick. I'm going to go with Xfinity. I, I'm going to go with. Uh, Oh, I'm going to go with Al Geyer again. I think that uh, I think that he'll bust out this weekend. He'll bust a big one. He'll come through in a big way. And we'll just see. I'm excited to I'm excited to have him back on the on the tracks. I think this is going to separate the men the men from the boys, if you will. If you will, uh, it, it's going to show. Who has the who has the mojo and who doesn't? So, and I'm sure that I'm sure that if CJ is listening or or was here, that he would probably um, pick Kyle Bush because you know Bush. He's a yeah. He's quite the Kyle Bush fan. Well, I don't. I don't know if that's going to be the way you win this prize either. Is by going with uh, your favorite driver every week. I definitely didn't pick my favorite driver last week. I just, you know, I figured that Chase Elliott was going to get the win, and sure enough, he was the fastest car. He just wasn't able to steal the deal with the win. Uh, you know, this is this is Larson land. This is where Larson's run really good several times, uh, and I uh, think that this could be exactly what he needs to put uh, that number five machine into victory lane this weekend. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool that uh, four of us have picked Larson uh, to be the winner. Unfortunately, he'll probably wreck on lap one because we all <laughs> picked him. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Should we change our pick? Since uh, are, are we allowed to pick the same guy? I mean, what, I, what's, the, what's the rules on that? So let's let's do it this way. We all we're all picking Larson, but um, let let's make a secondary pick and kind of work with that because we all we're all thinking Larson. So secondary pick, Chris. I got your Tyler Reddick pick. Yeah. Craig's gonna, gonna go have to Truex come up Jr. with a secondary. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with Martin Truex Jr. Yeah, I like that. All right. Well. You can't. I mean, yes, there's young talent, but I'm gonna rely on a vet in this one. Kind of doing a little research. I've been doing it for the last couple hours, trying to figure out who my pick was. 
Yeah, I had Kyle Larson Larson circled, being that this track plays favor to him. But uh, I see a consistency with this guy. So I'm going with uh, the guy who's had 17 top 10s and 20 starts uh, with a 7.4 average finish, Kevin Harvick. Wow. In the cup side. Wow, you took my pick. (laughs) (laughs) On the the Xfinity side, um, I'm a little shocked no one said him. I'm going with uh, the JRM side with Craig, but it's not Allgaier. It's Noah Gregson I'm picking. Ooh, wow. I know luck hasn't been on his side in the first two weeks, but uh, I feel like Homestead could be the be the shot for him, and he's got an average finish of fourth. All right. Well, listen. I, let me ask you. The, last year, who was probably the biggest guest that we well the, oh, the biggest one. guest that Chris marked out for last year? Do you remember Taz? What's that? You remember the the guest that we had on, and it was probably one of the first shows you listened to. Um, and we replayed him earlier in the seat this season. One of the biggest guests that Chris absolutely went nuts for. Do you remember that? Do you remember that guest? Who that guest was? Oh, I I think so, but I could be wrong. Go ahead. No, no, you're you're never wrong. You're, you're never right, but you're never wrong. <laughs> oh, then you're you may be wrong, man. but you may be right. Could be Alan Beckwith. Alan Beckwith. <laughs> well, today I reached out to Rick Allen, and uh, I'm awaiting a reply from him. But I did get confirmation from Carl Lack. Carl will be joining us April 12th, I believe it is. So, That'd be fun, just before Talladega. Yeah, and if you follow him on social media, some of the some of the stuff he posts, I I wonder if somebody else has grabbed his page. No, no, that's Carl. <laughs> but, uh, you got to hear him on SiriusXM. He's he's one of a kind. Yeah, well, I reached out to him last year, and he just wasn't able to do it. Right. But he did get back to me today and said, absolutely. Just remind me a couple days before, and then remind me that morning. So uh, super excited for that. That's April 12th. And I forget who we have on. Is Frank on next week, Taz? No, Nathan. Uh, Next? No, next week is our Vinny Motor or Viscani Motorsports driver, Mason Diaz. Mason Diaz is going to join us next next week. So uh, excited for that. We'll reach out to if Miss Lee will reach out to John, and uh, and then I'll send I'll send me for Visconti Motorsports. And Taz, I sent you the schedule in the group chat. Yes, um, and I replied May first on the. Sounds good to me. I got to make sure that uh, everything else is open then. Yeah, and uh, make sure that, uh, you know, make sure it's okay with the little lady. I don't want her to get upset. 
<laughs> I'll drive down, you drive back. Works for me. So uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that the following episode. So, and our experience down there at uh, at Bethel Motor Speedway. Super looking forward to that and looking forward to uh, Mason next week. It's going to be a, uh, I'll tell you what, guys, 2021 is shaping up to be a kick-ass season. And yeah. if Mr. CJ Sports don't get on his game, I think we're going to take over the number one rated show on the 110. <laughs> we have, we've been the number one rated show uh, <laughs> with our 12 listeners. Hey, you know what? Listen, uh, 13 people on uh, on Bethel Motor Speedway liked it, so maybe we'll have 25 tomorrow. Awesome. Sounds good. So, uh, Hattiesburg Speedway opens up this weekend. Kenny Schrader will be racing in the modified division. It's the USCS Sprint cars, the 360 Sprint cars. They'll be invading the high banks of Hattiesburg Speedway. Uh, this is the track that Tony Stewart has yet to win at, uh, but has showed up every year since, I believe, 2017. It showed up every 2016, 2017. Um, he showed up every year uh, for this race. We don't know if he's coming again this year, but we hope that he is, and uh, we hope that uh, he gets what he's chasing. He's been chasing that win for a while. Morgan Turpin, I think, beat him out one year. Um he flipped over one year on the last lap. Uh, so maybe this will be the year that Tony Stewart can seal the deal and pick up the win. If he's there, I hope he is. Uh, if not, then uh, he had other obligations. But Kenny Schrader will be there uh, along with all the other USCS sprint cars, Derek Hagar, uh, Morgan Turpin, uh, Terry Gray, um and several others that, uh, that some locals, some some guys from the tour series. But uh, thank you guys for being here tonight. Sorry about the interference that we've had all night long. I know it's probably driving everybody crazy except for the person that uh, can't hear it. Um, but we want to thank you guys for listening. We'll have that interference fixed for next week. Uh, just bear with us. We are a very we work on a very 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 limited budget here at the One Ten Nation. Uh, I think that uh, some people don't realize that we are uh, we have a skeleton crew compared to what most people work with. Uh, but we do the best that we can with what we have, and we've got some dedicated people that make it happen every week. Craig, I appreciate everything you do, Taz, for uh, uh, putting out the bulletins, putting out the uh, the the posts with our picks. And all that cool stuff that you've been doing, the artwork and all that, man, we appreciate it. Mr. CJ Sports for buying us the time to be here. And uh, go check out the 110nationsports.com. And be with us next weekend as we bring on Mason Diaz. Oh, yeah. And check out the crew on Netflix if you guys haven't watched it yet. It's a pretty cool little series about NASCAR racing. Uh, go check it out. Hey, and uh, it's the first three episodes. In. Well, actually, 11 hours ago, Saratoga Racecourse, who is what is our flat track, and was uh, they will have spectators. So, Taz, that gives us hope for racing. So, finally, yeah. So that gives us oh, that yeah. gives us hope for racing. 
We forgot to mention about Michael Waltrip and the SRX driver. Uh, we'll have to talk more about that next week as well. But thank you guys for listening. We want to get off at the right time. Y'all have a great week, and make sure that you watch some racing, support your local racetrack. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night, everybody. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.